The All My Favorite People podcast is proudly sponsored by Peace Love T-Shirts. Go to peacelovet-shirt.com to see the entire All My Favorite People collection of shirts, hats, and bags. While you're there, check out the other collections from our collaborators like Healing and Hope, The Controversy, and Ink Happy. Go to peacelovet-shirt.com and use code FAVORITE for $5 off your first order. another episode of All My Favorite People. My name is Brittany Jones and today with me I have Brad Gray. Hey Brad, how are you? I'm great Brittany. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks so good. much for being here. I'm really excited to have you on. Um, as I just mentioned in our little conversation before, you are here by popular demand. Um, I'm here in Orlando but I know you're in Tennessee and my church discovery has you come out on a regular basis and teach. And um, I've just been so, I've learned so much from you over the years as you've come and you've spoken at our church. And so I just wanted to have you on today to kind of talk about your ministry and um, kind of all the things that fall under walking the text. So I'll start off just by having you please introduce yourself and just tell us a little bit about you and maybe your family um, and how you ended up in Tennessee. And then we can kind of dive into walking the text. Yeah, no, that's great. Well, I'm so excited to be on with you, Brittany, and with your audience today. So thanks for having me. Yeah, I, I live right outside of Nashville. We're about 30 minutes from the city. And my family and I have been here for uh, a little over four years now, which is so crazy. It's just flying by <laughs> very quickly. We used to live in West Michigan. We were in West Michigan for 11 years and then moved down here a little over four years ago. Uh, my wife, Shallon, and I have been married now for 17 years, so that's been great fun, yes, and we've got four kiddos, so we've got um, a 13-year-old, an 11-year-old, a 9-year-old, and a 6-year-old, so three boys and a girl, and it is fun, it is festive, um, we've been homeschooling this entire year, I should correct myself, my wife has been homeschooling. Um, the school room is literally 10 feet that way through my uh, doors. And so they know, hey, uh, we got to be quiet right now. So it's been kind of that fun little family dance and balance this year. And uh, But we have a blast as a family. We love being here. And yeah, even just getting here is its own crazy, fun, bizarre story. So I was a teaching pastor in Holland, Michigan, West Michigan, for a number of years. And about four and a half years ago, my wife and I had this crazy two-week time period where without any clue that anything was changing in our lives, in a two-week window, we looked at each other at the end and said, I have no idea what's going on, but I think we're supposed to resign and move to Nashville for no good reason. Like wow. literally no good reason other than we felt like God was saying, I'm moving you and that's all you get. And wow. so it was so, and there was a whole discernment process we went through and mentors and friends and, and all of that. And, but 10 days later, I stood up in front of our congregation and said, I don't know why, but I'm resigning. <laughs> We're moving to Nashville. 
And it was just a, a really um, kind of crazy, bizarre, but totally a God thing. It's not our first rodeo with God in this way. Uh, I went to college and got a business degree and and left an amazing job to go to seminary, which nobody saw coming. And then I didn't see it coming. And then, you know, we've had, we've had a few of these, like, uh, we're just kind of picking up and going. And so it took a little while for us to figure out exactly what God was doing, but it's, uh, it's all working out. And, and we've known from day one that this is where we're supposed to be. It just took a long time to understand why, and we're still learning why. And, um, but we're, we're, we're where we're supposed to be, and we're really grateful to be here. We miss, miss West Michigan, and, but this Tennessee area has been, uh, has been a wonderful new home for us for the last several years. That's awesome. Well, you just mentioned that you went to business school and then seminary. It kind of leads me into, we'll get into like, what is walking the text, but if, if people know you at all, they know that you're very explanatory, you like the details, where did that come from? How did, like, when did you become obsessed with details and, and like that, the nitty gritty and the history and all that, the knowledge of what you teach? Yeah, as far as connection to the biblical story, it was really, um, it was in college for me. So I had grown up in a Christian home, so grateful for that, two wonderful parents, still married, um, I've got just one sibling, my brother, and he and his wife have got two wonderful kids. We're just always close as a family. So I grew up in a really healthy home. So grateful for that. Went to a Christian school, ended up going to Cornerstone University, which is a, a small Christian college in uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan, and had no intention to go to a Christian college. <laughs> um, I went to college to play basketball and then get a degree along with that. And Cornerstone had the best program, you know, that was that was happening in the country at that time for the size of school that I was able to get into. And um, and it was just really during that time where I was introduced to some amazing Bible teachers that helped me to begin to see that there was so much more going on behind the Bible. And I had grown up in a Christian home, had gone to a college prep Christian school, went to a Christian college, and was learning things that I had never learned before, and couldn't believe that I had never learned these things before. And I, I the, the, it's almost kind of like, the word obsession might be the right word, but more of just this unrelenting passion to want to figure out what's going on in the Bible. Because when I started to learn all of these things about what was going on behind the Bible, meaning what's the biblical context, what was the history, geography, the cultural backgrounds and realities of the day. And, and what I learned was that the writers of the Bible didn't include details that everybody knew. There was no need to, especially they don't, they're not dealing with you know, an unlimited word count, you know, with Microsoft, you know, Word document or Apple pages, they don't have that ability. They have a limited amount of space and they're only going to include the things that are supposed to shock you, challenge you, confront you, cause you to pause and wrestle with the implications. They're not going to tell you all of the details that everybody knows. Right. But they assumed their audience had those details. And when you skip fast forward, you know, two to 4,000 years, all of a sudden, those pieces that we are unaware of, because we're talking about something so far distant, time, space, culture, that we miss so much. And when that started to become evident to me, 
the biblical story became deeper. It became more um, transformational. It was exhilarating. And all of a sudden it was like, oh, this is what the word of God does when you start to understand it more and more in its original context. And so because it was changing me, the, the, the unrelenting passion to want to understand what was behind it was for my own benefit, but God gave me a teacher's heart. And so it became evident as I was going through this, oh, God's not just doing this to change my heart. He's doing this so that in the transformation I'm experiencing, I can then turn around and communicate what I'm learning and do it in God willing, a helpful way for others to experience that same excitement and transformation that I was undergoing because the word of God has that power to it. For sure. Yes. You know, I, um, people who have listened to any of the episodes probably are like, okay, we know you studied Torah, but (laughs) that's kind of where it began for me. You know, I also grew up in church and had a similar situation and, and kind of an epiphany at, you know, around 30 something where like, how do I not know this? You know, yeah. like, why, am, why don't we know this? Why aren't we learning this? And I think, um, and we'll jump into what is walking the text, but um, for me, a big part of it, I'll be honest, was listening to you speak and explaining a lot of those details and a lot of that history and the culture, because you do, you, you lose that context over 2000 years, obviously. Mm-hmm. And um, you're right. Like the people of the day knew it, but here we are living in 21st century United States of America. It is a, it is a vastly different Christianity. And, you know, if we're being real, than right. what they experienced, you know, walking alongside Jesus. So um, talk to me a little bit about what is walking the text because it's multifaceted really. Um, yes. Did it start as uh, tours in, in Jerusalem in that, or where did it all start for you? Yeah, that's a great question and a great connection point. It was originally, when I was in West Michigan, Walking the Text was just a website where people went to register for the trips that I was leading to Israel and Turkey. So I've been doing these trips now for 12 years, and Walking the Text was just the place that people went and signed up. And then it then moved into oh, I was, you know, a teaching pastor for a church. And so it was where all of my teachings ended up in addition to the church's website so that people could easily access them. We had multiple teachers at the church that I was at. And so it just became kind of like um, a, a place where teachings were held. And then when we moved to the greater Nashville area, it took me about a year to figure out uh, why in the world are we here? Like, God, what are you doing specifically? Because my two great passions have always been how do you understand the Bible in its original context? And then secondly, how do you communicate effectively? And not just being an effective Bible teacher, but just an effective communicator as a whole. Mm -hmm. And so communication has always been something that I have studied fervently because I had this experience, and I know many people have as well, is that what makes the great teachers great teachers is not only their content, but their ability to communicate it effectively. We all know people who have, you know, just an amazing communication ability, but their content is really weak, you know, so they're an extremely gifted communicator, 
but they're about an inch deep. And then you've got these other people who have just this vast amount of knowledge. They're a mile deep, but they can't speak to a wall. Yeah. You know, and, and, and it's like, if you want people to understand what you are learning, then being able to communicate it effectively. So for years, I've trained communicators on how to be more effective. This is including pastors, it's business leaders. And so I was actually really close. I was so close to starting my own presentation company because I was thinking that after having been a teaching pastor for more than a decade, that the reason why God was moving us to Nashville was for me to still do my trips, um, but really to do, you know, almost like a, a 20% faith-based aspect and then an 80% business sector. So it's really close. And then God just really began to reveal what walking the text could become. What's, what's the vision of, as you said, there's, it's very multifaceted, but but what could it look like if it became a formal organization? And that's where all the synergy really began to come together. And so the whole idea behind walking the text is that it is now a nonprofit, a formal 501c3 crowdfunded nonprofit organization that creates resources and study trips to Bible lands to help people understand the Bible in its original context. And that's the whole thing is all of the resources that we create are free and they're all for the purpose of helping people get that history, geography, cultural backgrounds, language, all of the things that the writers assumed their readers had so that people are empowered to read the Bible more effectively, more informed, you know, with, with more kind of an informational understanding of it. Because the biggest problem that we have found and that I found being a teaching pastor for more than a decade was that everybody knows that context is everything in any facet of life. Yeah. And yet the vast majority of people have never been taught how to read and engage the Bible in its original context. Mm -hmm. And you see this all the time because typically speaking, the, the, somebody's going to open up their Bible and the first question they're going to typically ask is, well, what does this say to me? which is the wrong place to begin. Yes. Because if we can't begin with, well, why was this written in the first place? Why, did, why was this written to the people back then? And when we understand that, then we pull it into the present and we can ask better questions with deeper implications about what it means for us today. Mm -hmm. But that context is, is significant. I mean, you, people will say, you know, context is king, context is queen, context is jack, you know, context is everything. And yeah. so what we just really set out to do is to go, well, what are the things that we can create that will help people to understand the Bible in its original context? And in doing so, it will help them to learn, love, and live out the Bible every day, which will help them to accelerate their faith and their relationship in Jesus Christ and become a more faithful follower and disciple of his in the world today. So with that in mind, the umbrella of walking the text is the study trips to Israel and Turkey. So that's kind of one, one facet of it. Um, all the different speaking engagements. So me coming to Discovery Church, I serve on the teaching team for Church of the City uh, here in the Franklin, Tennessee area. And I've got some other places where I'm speaking a lot. So all of those go onto the website and are made available to our audience. And then we have a national conference called the Infusion Bible Conference, which is a three-day crash course in 
how do you study the Bible in context? And we pick a new subject matter every year and then do over 40 different teachings over the course of two and a half days wow. on that subject matter. Um, so this year we're doing Paul in his Roman context because Paul can be difficult to understand. And it's because we don't recognize the Roman world in which he was writing and operating. So we're taking two and a half days and we're going to talk about all of the intersections between the Roman world and the New Testament world to help us better understand the Apostle Paul um, and really all the writers because they're all writing in the Roman Empire, but we're really focusing on Paul. Um, and so that's that's going to be in June, which is going to be great fun. And then the the last thing is the teaching series. And this is something that we have been um, doing now for uh, a few years where now every other Tuesday, the first two years, it was every Tuesday, we release a brand new video teaching that is a TED talk length teaching roughly. So 15 to 20 minutes long, it's a video-based teaching, but we also have it as a podcast so that it's the audio version of the visual teaching. Mm -hmm. And each teaching is tackling some facet of the Bible or some story. We do mini series. We just finished one, uh, an eight week series on rabbis and disciples. So what was the rabbinical world like? Because Jesus was a Jewish rabbi. He didn't come as you know, a doctor. He didn't come as, you know, I mean, you fill in the blank. He came as a rabbi. Why? What was it about the rabbinic world? What was it about discipleship that this is what Jesus gave his life for? Why did he choose 12 disciples? Why not go to Rome and convert the emperor? Why actually hang out in the land of Israel and train up these, you know, 12 guys? And who were the women that were, that were there? And how do they factor into discipleship? And it's just such a fun study but the whole idea is, is to provide these short teachings that give people the contextual backgrounds they need in order to go deeper with their own reading and study of the Bible. And each one of those teaching series episodes has discussion questions. So they're intended for personal study, small group study. We've got small groups literally all over the world that are using the teaching series and all of it is made uh, available for free. The conference isn't and the trips aren't. <laughs> I, I'd love to be able to do that. But, you know, as far as all the other resources that we create on our website, yeah. they're all available for free. Yeah. Well, I love that because my our, we have best friends that we've had for over a decade that we've attended the same church and Things have just never worked out for us to be in a small group together, but we decided this year we were going to start our own small group, just our family and their family. And we actually started on, um, I think it's the parable of the rich man and, and just that whole like earthly riches. Yes. Um, and that's the series we decided, hey, we're going to just, we, this one speaks to us. We're going to do this. So we've done this a couple of weeks in a row now, and we're using your, your teaching series as you know, our Bible study essentially in our small group. Yeah. So I love awesome. that. Yeah. I love that it has discussion questions and, you know, we all get to talk afterwards around that and just been really awesome because it's very, it's like, it's a low barrier to entry. I feel like it's yes. an easy way yes. for somebody to just learn. Um, you don't need to like purchase this expensive curriculum or, you know, do all your research. I feel like, you know, it's a, it's kind of turnkey, which is really nice. Um, yes. So thank you for creating that. Oh, and I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that you guys are benefiting from it. Yeah. That's the whole intention behind it, you know, yeah. is, is, is to make it so that, you know, this is the beautiful thing about context is that 
you know, in, in doing this for the number of years now, I find that what context does is it allows people who have been, you know, very familiar with the Bible, uh, could be Christian, you know, could have been a Christian for three, four decades to learn things they never knew were there. And in the same token, because context makes the text more understandable. I mean, one of the great litmus tests with context is, is does it help make more sense of the, of that passage, you know, because sometimes the hardest passages, we're just missing some of the contextual details. And when those get filled in, it's like, of course, that's what that passage means Mm -hmm. is it allows people who have had very little contact, if no contact with the Bible to go, oh yeah, that's intelligible. Like that, that makes total sense. Mm-hmm. Now they have to decide whether they believe it or not. But as far as the rationale side of things, and this is one of the things that I think sometimes Christians miss is I love, I mean, there's so many phenomenal stories in the Bible. I mean, all the stories are phenomenal, but the road to Damascus, uh, or not road to Damascus, but the road to Emmaus story in Luke 24, when Jesus shows up and, you know, the two disciples don't know, you know, that's Jesus and it says that, you know, when Jesus says, you know, are you so slow to understand, you know, what has been written? And he, and it says that he opened up the scriptures, you know, going back to the law and the prophets coming forward. It's like, there's a rationale to who Jesus was and the reason why he came and all the things in the scriptures were pointing towards it. It was a rationale that also included faith, that that our faith is not just a faith-based faith. It's a faith and rational faith. You know, they go together and there's an intelligibility to the Bible and context, context unlocks so much of that, that you begin to see all of these threads. And that's one of the things that when people ask me, you know, how do you know the Bible's real? You know, I mean, there's lots of ways to answer that, but every single time I open the scriptures and see all of the connections from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, and you're going, okay, there are 66 different books of the Bible written over the course of 1500 years by more than 35 different authors on three different continents, all with contexts of their own. And yet this is one big, beautiful, unified story. It's unparalleled in human history as far as any kind of literature is concerned and we all know it's more than just literature but you know it is ancient literature but it is it's alive it it is connected it is transformational you know and so that's that's the part that's so much fun is to be able to dig in to find those treasures to help people just read the scriptures with, with more informed eyes. And the biggest thing that we have found is that, you know, people struggle when they come to the scriptures to confidently and clearly understand what is there. And we just want to help people to read the Bible with clarity and confidence and to know that what they're reading and interpreting, you know, is, is what God intended and, and uh, you know, that they can just better understand the Bible as a whole. Yeah. There's so much there, but I'm curious, how did getting your boots on the ground in that part of the world, how did that change your perspective on the Bible and just what you were learning from taking it outside of just an educational experience to like a a lived experience? Yes. The first thing that happens when your feet hit the ground and you start seeing these places, you go, oh, wow, this is real. (laughs) You know, I mean, it's so easy to, 
read and, and you don't, you know, you, you've got your own visualizations, you know, our mind fills in the gaps visually. And it's what, why oftentimes stories are more powerful than movies, you know, because your mind is able to create all this stuff. And, but sometimes it's really hard when you're dealing with a very different world, a very different context to be able to visualize what, what is these stories, you know, where did they take place? What did it look like? What did it feel like? What did it smell like? And when you get there and all of a sudden you're standing next to the Sea of Galilee and you're looking and you can see the entire thing in one shot and you go, this story happened here, this story happened over there, this story, this is real. This is where Jesus walked. This is where he did his ministry. This is where, you know, this is where Peter's mother-in-law lived in Capernaum. This is, this is where the synagogues are. This is all of a sudden, it just brings an earthiness to something that you've been reading for so long and you just begin to recognize, oh my goodness, these stories are not just stories. They happened. It just makes it feel even more real than what you've been able to do prior to getting into the land. Yeah. You know, St. Saint, Saint Jerome said that the land is the fifth gospel. Mm. And, and I love that because just walking the land, you learn so much and you know, anyone who's had an opportunity to go to one of the biblical lands, like you just, you don't come back the same. It just changes you. And it's, it's always so much fun to just watch people go through that experience, knowing that I remember my first experience as clear as day and going, oh man, this is awesome. I'm standing <laughs> where these stories took place. Yeah. Well, it's on my bucket list for sure to get over there with you would be amazing. Grab yes, my tea and do just, it. Come on. Now you, are you doing them currently or is everything kind of like slowed down a bit, obviously over the last year? Yeah. So we were actually supposed to be just getting back today from my Israel trip. And so obviously that was, was, was canceled due to uh, due to COVID. So yeah, unfortunately, the, you know, the Middle East has been shut down and Israel is still closed. And um, I've got a Turkey trip coming up in September. Turkey's been open and people can go to Turkey right now. You just need a negative COVID test 72 hours before entry and get another negative COVID test before you fly back to the States and social distancing, masks in public spaces. So I'm very, very hopeful that we'll be able to go to Turkey in September. I've got an Israel trip scheduled for May right now, and that one is obviously very much up in the air. So we're just waiting for Israel to give us some kind of indication if, if and when they're going to be, well, it'll be a win, but you know, when are they going to open up? What are the requirements going to be and whether or not we're going to be able to go to Israel in May? So we'll see. Yeah. So what would yeah. someone expect to do on a trip with you? Like, what does that look like? Yeah. So there's a couple of very unique features to the trips that I lead that I always want to make sure people are aware of. You know, the first thing is, is that there are lots of different types of trips that people can take to, you know, the Bible lands. And the kind of trip that I lead is very much an in-depth biblical study hiking trip. And there's two key parts to that biblical study. Um, we're, it's not a bus tour. This is, this is, you know, there's, there's certain tours and they're wonderful tours. So not, you know, degrading them whatsoever, but it's very much, you're on the bus, you're going from site to site and you get to the site, you go through some stories, you learn some things. And then, you know, the group meets up after, you know, a half hour, 45 minutes and, and you jump onto the bus and you go to the next site. 
the way that I've organized my, my trip is that every single site is an unfolding chapter in a large story. And there are some sites that we drive by and come back six days later because the group isn't ready to experience the content of that site because there's another 10 pieces that we have to put in place. And so for me, it is um, a very integrated trip. It's very much, um, I want you to be empowered to read the Bible differently the rest of your life, not just to have a number of really great experiences at all of these different sites. And so I'm a teacher at heart. And so I give people, hey, um, if you want to invest in yourself before the trip, here are the books that I would love for you to read. Here are the things I want you to brush up on. Here are the things I want you to memorize. And then when we get there, it's just a lot of, of, of experiences and faith lessons and helping them just see the land for what it is so that they're empowered to read it dramatically different going forward the rest of their life. That's why I tell people these trips are not just an investment you know, for, you know, your faith or your family, like this changes things for the rest of your lives. Like this is an investment literally into your, into your eternity. And so, um, so that's one big aspect is, is that it's also a hiking trip there, you know, people have to um, get in really good shape to be able to go. And we don't, I don't do this as a hiking trip, just so that it's really exercise driven and, and all of that. It's, I want us to experience the land as close as possible to the way the ancients did. And when people can get into their shoes, right. uh, you know, they are typically wearing smart wool shoes and their socks and really nice hiking shoes, which the ancients had sandals, <laughs> you know, so there's a couple of things we don't replicate, but, you know, to be able, to, okay, this story happened on the top of this mountain. Um, we're going to the top of this mountain. And very few groups will ever go to the top of this mountain because everybody in the group has to be in shape. And so, so there's just this sense. And, and I also don't give an itinerary. People have no idea where we are going. There's no itinerary. What, what happens is, is that people get on the trip because other people told them, you've got to go on this trip. And what they know is that we're going to get to all of the major sites by the end of the trip. But what I'm not going to do is wake up in the morning and give you an itinerary. And I love this about the trip because this, you know, it's, it's only been in the modern world that we've had as much control as we've ever had. Like we were never intended to have as much control as we have. And, and, and control is not a bad thing. Knowing what the weather is going to be isn't, isn't a bad thing. But when you have access to anything you want at the palm of your hand, with your smartphone, with your laptop, with whatever, you begin to be, do you begin to believe that you have more control in life than you actually do? And when life doesn't go the way that you thought it should, this is where the crisis of faith in people's lives occur. The crisis of faith always occurs when there's a gap between expectations and realities. Mm -hmm. And, and we're so used to having control that when we don't have control, we don't know what to do. And so part of what I do in this trip is to go, listen, just enjoy the journey. Take each site as a gift from God and, and, and recognize that God has brought you here for a reason and he wants to do something in you. And let's not like allow our entitlements to get into the way. I mean, literally, if I give the group an itinerary that says today we're going to go to these four sites 
but we actually don't make it to the fourth site because God did so many amazing things with the group in the first three that we didn't have time for the fourth. People will get back on the bus and the first thing they'll do is, huh, I wonder what we were going to do at that site. And they're bummed they didn't get to go rather than blessing God for all the things they got to see. And so my whole hope is, is to help people to recognize like life is not a destination. Life is a journey. You know, our relationship with God is not just about salvation. It's about discipleship. That's a day by day reliance upon God. When Jesus and his disciples went out for the day, I don't think Jesus said, oh, hey, fellas, we're going to take a trek to Caesarea Philippi. It would have been follow me. Yeah. And then they would learn what they needed to learn when they needed to learn it. They weren't given all the details up front. Life is a journey. It's not a destination. We're called to be faithful followers of Jesus on a day-to-day basis. And so it's one of the facets of the trip where I'm trying to help people get out of control, (laughs) you know, or get out of their own sense of wanting to have control and just allowing the trip to be a gift to them, sight after sight, experience after experience. And not have to worry about what's coming next because I'm going to tell them what they need and they don't need to know any more information and they can just sit back and enjoy. That's really cool. And I can see the type A's like not really loving that. <laughs> and, and you know what? And that's the part that's been so fun is the number of type A folks. And I'm type A. I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, I'm, <laughs> I am an Enneagram one. I am a type A. I'm also a very high introvert, (laughs) which is sometimes surprising to people. Um, But I often will advise people, take off your watches. I'm not telling you how long it's going to take for us to get anywhere. Um, We'll have lunch when we're going to have lunch. Um, Just, just, they didn't have watches in the ancient world. You know, like, and, and it's been so much fun to have my type A's at the end of the trip going, I, I almost couldn't come on this trip because I have to be in control and I have to know what's going on. And surprisingly, this was the most redemptive part of the trip for me is that I was, I learned to let go Yeah. and I've needed to do that in so many areas of my life. It's a lesson of itself, really just the lack of itinerary. Yeah. Oh, and it's, and it's like, listen, don't worry. Like if, if this trip was a bomb, your friends would have not told you, you had to get on this trip. Like this is, we don't, I mean, this is one of the blessings of, of, of these trips is that, I mean, we don't, we don't market these trips. It's all social. It's all people come back and go, you've got to get on this trip. And so if you create something that God uses to transform people's lives, other people want to get in on that. And I just tell them, listen, um, if this approach hadn't worked, you wouldn't have been invited on this trip by your friends. <laughs> so, yeah. so just let's, let's do things a little bit differently, but it's also, that's the rabbinic world. And I think that's also a big thing too, is these trips are intended to help people get back into the ancient world, to walk in their shoes. And you can go on a trip and not really fully embrace that ancient world. I mean, I tell them, listen, don't, you're going to have televisions in your room. Don't turn your television on for the next two weeks. You know, try to stay off your phone, your internet as much as possible, you know, just get into the ancient world, live in this world, try to figure out what did it look like to be someone in this day and age, because when you can get into their shoes, you see things in the text you've never seen before, you ask different questions, and you're able to go, oh, that would have been a big deal, you know, and you just see things differently. 
Yeah, that's literally what I was going to ask you is like, what changes then? Like, what, what part of your mentality, I guess, changes when you are soaked just like in that yeah. world? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing I think is, is just, and this is one of the things that I was never, I was never taught. Maybe I wasn't, I just don't ever remember it, but I never really approached the text until I really got into this cultural stuff to try to empathize with each character in whatever story I'm, I'm looking at. Like I looked at it almost, um, you know, very objectively, you know, I'm, I'm an outsider looking in and it's like, well, this person should have done this and this person shouldn't have done this. And it's like, but why? Like, how can I empathize with them? How can I get into their shoes? What are they seeing? What are they feeling? What does this look like? Um, you know, I've got an experience where I, I take people on this pretty arduous trek for a number of hours. And it is part of the Sinai desert that's in Israel. And at the end of it, I say, okay, you just walk through the kind of terrain that the Israelites walked through for 40 years. Mm. Talk to me. And every time the first comment that comes out of someone's mouth is, I can't believe it took them only three days to start complaining. I would have been complaining after seven hours. You know, I mean, you because you look at this and you yeah. like take, for example, the Israelites are complaining after three days and you're like, God just split the sea for crying out loud. And now you're complaining you're like, but wait a minute. Oh yeah, they're in a desert. There is no water. They're carrying their babies. It's 115 degrees. It is, you know, no water in sight. Your baby's been crying and your water bottles are empty. And it's been three days. And everybody believed in the ancient world that on the, after three days of no water, you die, especially in a desert landscape. Mm -hmm. That's when they're complaining. And all of a sudden you realize, Oh yeah, it only took them, like they waited three days to start complaining. That's amazing. Yeah, We would have been complaining within the first day, you know? So you just see things differently. You empathize differently. You just have an, you just have a, a, an ability to engage the stories. And for a lot of these places, you've now been there. So when you read a story that takes place in Capernaum, you have the mental image of Capernaum and because the trips are based in experience you don't forget those experiences yeah you know it's it's and that's why it's just one of those uh, amazing gifts if people are able to get on a trip is it just they don't they don't come back the same they're never the same that's awesome yeah so it's just and that happened to me that was my first trip who I went with that was the experience that I had and so it feels it's, it's such a joy and, a, and, and, and an honor to lead people on a two-week experience to do the best that personally I can to help create the environment for God to then continue to do what he's doing in that person's life because my life changed as a result, you know, of my first trip and to be able to you know, facilitate this for other people is, it's just, it's such a joy. That's awesome. And you weave that into a lot of your um, teaching series as well. Like I know we yeah. see a lot of pictures and a lot of, you know, even when you're teaching at Discovery, I've got this picture of 
the gates, the ruins with the yes. gates. Like I, you know, it's cool just how even if I can't be there in person, just the visual of it really explains something that again you would have you built it up in your own mind to look a certain way, but when you see it, it is it's it's kind of illuminating really um, to see the scripture in a very like factual and historical way. Um, and I love that. And then you also talked about earlier about rational, just the Bible being rational um, and having this kind of historical and logical piece to it. Why do you think we've lost that in the way that we teach? Like the, the standard American church, if you will, doesn't dive yeah. into a lot of this. Um, why do you think that is? And, you know, what do you foresee? I'm, I mean, I'll tell you from my perspective, I think that that's a shame um, because it is so illuminating and so life-giving, honestly, to understand right. the context behind it. It really has personally for me deepened my relationship with God to understand more yes. than just surface level reading the words and being like, logically, I understand that. There's more of a heart connection now. So what, why do you feel like the church doesn't necessarily dive into all of these details? Mm -hmm. You know, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, um, the vast majority of people have never been taught how to read and understand the Bible in its original context. That's also true, not of all, but of many pastors. Mm. And this is one of the, one of the critiques. And, and there are some seminaries that are doing a really great job. And there are a lot of seminaries that aren't doing a great job. And this is something when I finished my seminary experience, I moved to Jerusalem to study because I didn't learn all the things that I wanted to learn. And I went to a really great seminary. Oh. And, and, and there's, I hope that there's a shift that's going on. I, I'm seeing a shift, but I'm not sure if it's just because I want to see the shift, <laughs> you know, is that, you know, one of my great passions is, is getting pastors and leaders to go on these trips because they'll all say on the trip, I never learned any of this, Wow, you know, and, and, and so much of what I teach and I do was learned while I was living in Israel, um, studying there. And, and that's really kind of been the heart and passion behind walking the text is making this cultural, historical, geographical, you know, context readily accessible to anyone, you know, and so like you mentioned, yes, not everybody can go to Israel. Not everybody has the financial capabilities or the timing or they've got very, very young kids um, and it's, it's a dream that they want to go and they, they can't go or they don't think they can go. You know, this is one of the things that I always, you know, I've had people come back from these trips that said, if I would have known that this trip was going to change me as much as it did, I would have sold one of my cars to go earlier. Wow. We would have lived on one car as a family yeah. to go because we're not going to raise our kids the same now. You know, and that's one of the biggest regrets that people have on these trips is they always say, I wish I would have done it earlier. The number of pastors who are in tears going, I've spent the last 25 years teaching this and I have not taught as effectively as, as, effectively as I could if I would have known this stuff. You know, and so that's part of the, the passion and, and heart that, you know, we have at Walking the Text is wanting to help pastors and leaders get this experience as soon as possible, but really any follower of Jesus. And so you're right, the teaching series, we pull in videos, drone footage, clips, um, 
help people to get into the story because let's bring Israel to the living room. You know, let's bring Israel into the Sunday sermon. Let's, you know, I want people to feel like that they're there and to experience. And so we do do a lot of imagery and photos and video clips and all of that in order to make it visually helpful for people to understand what they're, what they're reading. But for many, many people, their education, I, I just met with, I just met with a pastor three weeks ago, um, extremely well-known. Oh my goodness. The vast majority of people just say his name and everybody will know, just admitted to me almost in tears, dude, I don't know any of the stuff that you're talking about. Mm. I've never, I've never learned it. I didn't know how to figure it out. I was never taught this, you know, and, and so it's, it's just one of those things where um, I'm, I'm hoping that there's a shift, you know, that's happening. And, and, and what we're just trying to do as an organization is, is to help, you know, pastor and parishioner alike to just grow in their understanding of the Bible. It's an endless ocean of gems it's not something we're ever going to tackle or figure out but we can definitely swim deeper with the right gear Mm -hmm. and the cultural lenses are the gear to get you under the water surface and go explore what's sitting right there yeah yeah well what i'm hearing too is that maybe we need to just i'll i'll speak for myself maybe I need to give a little more grace to our pastors and just the culture that we've all been raised in that doesn't dive very deep into these things. And it's, I feel the shift. I, I feel like I've come in contact more in the last maybe two years with people who want to know really what the Bible says and genuinely have like, to me, it's like, I keep using the word, um, this remnant, like there's this revival in, in, within the church for sure. And I think even outside of the church that people want to know there's like a longing now for, at least I'm seeing it more and more of an an understanding of not just surface level Christianity, but something deeper. Um, And I think you're right. The context and, and just building that history to it um, is a huge piece of that. Do you, and this is kind of a left field question, but I have some Jewish friends who obviously are not believers in the New Testament, but I'm curious if you've come in contact with Jewish people over the years, because you do dive into so much of the culture and the heritage and the history, um, as far as not necessarily like seeking to convert per se, but just, um, I'm curious what your interactions have been with maybe some people in the Jewish community as they see what you're doing, kind of tying all those ends together. Yes. Yeah. That's a, it's a really big question. (laughs) No, it is. And, And here's, here's what I would say is that there is an amazing movement going on in the world, also in Israel, for Jews to become, who are becoming messianic believers, followers of Jesus. It's happening in droves right now. Um, For your audience, if they're interested, just check out One for Israel, O-N-E for Israel. It's an amazing, amazing ministry happening in Israel where they're basically 
going to all of their Jewish friends and family and rabbis, and they're just showing all of the connections with Jesus, and people are becoming followers of Jesus who are Jews, and, you know, we call them messianic believers, and so it's actually happening. There's an amazing movement that is going on right now, but here's the big sad thing about the whole conversation with a lot of my Jewish friends is I remember having a conversation one day with one of my, one of my Jewish friends who's brilliant, absolutely brilliant in Israel. And I just said to him, I said, Hey, why, why do you struggle so much with the idea that Jesus, you know, was the Messiah or the son of God? And he looked at me and he said, because of you. And I knew exactly what he was saying. And he was not saying that it was me personally. He was saying, you Christians. Mm. And the Jewish world understands rabbis and disciples, that a disciple didn't want to just know what the rabbi knew. The disciple wanted to be who the rabbi was. You patterned your life after the rabbi. And if you came in contact with a disciple, it should be as if you were interacting with the rabbi themselves, because that disciple was to reflect that rabbi. And what has happened is that when you trace church history, is that some of the greatest atrocities done to the Jews came at the hands of the church. Now, people could argue and say, well, that was the Roman Catholic Church, and that was did it. In the minds of a Jew, Christian is Christian. Protestant, Catholic, whatever, none of those distinctions. Reformation, don't care. I mean, it's the Crusades had, you know, guys slaughtering Jews with crosses on their shields, yeah. getting baptized with their arms out of the water so that they could still wield a sword. And, you know, there's, there's story after story after story. And it's not just the Crusades, it's the Spanish Inquisition, it's even the Holocaust you can trace back to, the church not speaking up in the midst of a number of atrocities that finally led to, you go, no, but that was, you know, Nazi Germany. It's like, yeah, but there's other you know, parties that were, you know, that never spoke up. I mean, there's a lot, there's a very complicated history to it. For sure. And because the church hasn't always reflected Christ, then for Jewish people is they are very skeptical of anything Christian. And the vast majority of Jews have never opened a New Testament. They were taught to stay away from it. Yeah. That is the book of the Christians. That has nothing to do with us. Forget the fact that they're all Jewish writers. It's nothing to do with us. And so for many of them, the reason why they struggle to believe in Jesus is they really don't know who Jesus is because they've never really interacted with the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And, and for a lot of you know my, my messianic friends who became followers of Jesus, it was, oh my goodness, the connections are everywhere. It's the rationale side of things that really put it together because Jews know their scriptures forwards and backwards. Yeah. They know their text inside yeah. and out. And it's, it's, yes, the Holy Spirit is at work. Faith is at work. All of this is at work. But there's also a strong, oh my goodness, look at all of these connections from Genesis 1 all the way into the New Testament, into the life of Jesus and going forward. Man, I mean, I had one of my good Jewish friends um, who said to me uh, not long ago, he said, he said, Brad, he goes, 
the, he says, there's not a whole lot different between me and you. He said, we're both waiting on a Messiah mm. for you. You're waiting for him to come back and you know, his name I'm waiting for the first Messiah, but he just looked at me and he said, but if his name is Jesus, I may not be surprised. Mm. And it was, just, it was a moment as little was brought me to tears just because there's so many that are so close. They are wrestling with the implications and, you know, part of, you know, my role as a leader who take people to Israel is to represent who Jesus was well in the flesh as a leader with my group, you know, reflecting Jesus in the flesh as responsible tourists in the land of Israel, because it is our life that is our witness sure. to those who, who know a lot. They're just waiting to see, is this sucker really real? Yeah. Well, and the way that you've just explained it almost makes me think, you know, our Jewish friends are no different than our non-Christian friends. I mean, our unsaved friends, they, like you said, they're very knowledgeable. They might have a head knowledge and I know my girlfriend like literally knows her scriptures front and back. Like she, she can recite me under the table. That's for sure. Yes. Yes. Um, but there is, there is that, um, that mindset shift where it's almost like they won't, they won't accept it because it's Jesus. Right. Yes. Um, and for, for me, for her, I said, go check out Brad Gray. <laughs> <laughs> when, I, when I was, you know, not necessarily trying to convince her of anything, but just yeah. like, let's look at the connections. Like, um, I, you were my, the resource that I pointed her to, because I think you do such an excellent job of connect, putting all those connections together. Um, so I love that. And, and I'm excited to hear that you're seeing this movement in Israel firsthand. Um, it's just so exciting to me. Um, I just love that. So yeah, it is. I cool. feel like God is, God is working among the Jewish people and, and, and I believe God, you know, has a plan for the Jewish people. And, you know, I really believe firmly when, when Paul says that, you know, God's, you know, promises are irrevocable in Romans that he's still working very intently and has a plan for the Jewish people. And, we're just in a, and we're in a time where we're just seeing some amazing things happen and, and God's hand is definitely at work among, yeah. among the Jewish people. Yeah. I love yeah. that at the end of the day, we both serve the same God and we both like at the end of the day, God is God. And, <laughs> you know, obviously I believe in Jesus and the resurrection and all of that, but God doesn't change. Like he's the same, whether you believe in him or not, you know? Um, yeah. and that's, it's, it's really, um, it's, it's really awesome to hear that that's what's going on, um, in your circle that you're seeing that as well. So, well, before we wrap up today, Brad, I would love for you to share anything else that you just feel led to share, but also where people can find you online, how they can get your resources and how they can support your ministry. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, the big thing would be is just go to walkingthetext.com. And one of the resources that you can get is a free ebook called The Number One Mistake Most Everyone Makes Reading the Bible. And that is coming out of 
years and years of leading trips and people asking me, okay, we keep talking about context, but how do I do that? And I was like, okay, we're going to put together a resource for that. So it's a free 30 page ebook that walks you through context, that walks you through a framework for how do you read the Bible in context? What are the various lenses of context? Um, and what are some really great resources that you can get your hands on that other people have, are doing? Some of them are free, like Bible Project, which is phenomenal, um, as well as just what are the best accessible resources if you want to grow in your understanding of how to read the Bible, you know, in a more contextual kind of way. So on our website has links to our YouTube channel, to Instagram, to Facebook. Um, our handles are all at Walking the Text. And basically, they can gather any information that they want, you know, at walking the text and, and everything's there. Awesome. Yep. And yep. Infusion, Infusion Bible Conference, is that information there as well? Or is there somewhere it is. else? Okay. Yes. Great. Thanks for bringing that back up. Yeah. Um, there is a link to the conference on walkingthetext.com. Or you can go to infusionbibleconference.com is, is the conference website. So walking the text will bump you to that website, but that's the main website for, um, and we are this year providing a live stream option because of just COVID uh, regulations and all of that for some people. But we are having an in-gathering. We have a really amazing space at Church of the City in Franklin, and we can house a lot of people, even with all the social distancing protocols and all of that good stuff. But yeah, you can find out all the information and um, early bird discount is, is, is coming to an end soon. So we're just kind of pushing people if they're going to come. Now's a really good time. You get to save a lot of money to do that. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I hope that our listeners enjoyed our conversation today. I certainly did. Thank you so much, Brad, for coming on the podcast. And I hope to see you back here in Florida sometime soon. Get out of the chilly weather and come hang out during summer or something with the kiddos. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Brittany, it was a joy being on and uh, so grateful for you, for your ministry, for the work you're doing and just for your audience. Uh, so thanks for the opportunity to be able to share today. Thanks so much, Brad. You have a good one. Thanks. You too. All right. Hey friends, thanks so much for watching and I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please make sure to like and subscribe to this channel and hit that little notification bell so you know every time I post something new. Of course, check out Peace Love t-shirts as well. That's where you can get all of our Life Jesus style gear and all my favorite people gear. Thanks for tuning in and I hope to see you next time.